Amen. So I want to give a welcome to everyone that came to, uh, to visit, hear me preach, uh, my friends and family. I, I'm truly blessed that, uh, you know, the people that couldn't come out here or could come here, I'm, I'm just blessed to have great family and friends and obviously my church family hearing uh, me today. Um, I'm, I also want to uh, thank Brother Will for giving me another opportunity to preach today. Um, obviously he's on vacation and, um, and so as he's coming back, but uh, I'm just blessed that he gave me another opportunity to preach God's word. And so today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to do the stereotypical preacher thing and say it again, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And so uh, today, uh, I'm going to do something different. I usually never do this, but uh, let's go ahead and stand to read God's Word. We're going to be in verse 19 as we start. So uh, chapter 9, verse 19, it says, Though I am free and belong to no one, and I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so I may win those, uh, win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like those not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the wall. To the weak, I am weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I have saved some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do, do you know that in a race, all runners run, but only get one gets the prize. Run in such a way as you get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it in, to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, but I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so I uh, so that I, after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for that prize. You may be seated. Let's go ahead and pray. God, you are good, and we're about to preach. Uh, I'm about to preach your word. Lord, calm my nerves and, and just guide me as, as I, I, I preach, Lord, your truth and what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. In Jesus' name, amen. So, before we get into... Uh, the context of the scripture and to the points that I uh, I've saw through uh, what Paul was making in chapter 9, I remember it was only, it's only one year that I did it, but uh, I was a college athlete for, for one year at my old college, and I remember uh, vividly uh, working hard in high school, um, you know, studying well, getting my grades up so I could and uh, also running the best I could, doing what my coach said in high school to uh, get this scholarship at Williams Baptist. And uh, eventually I, I got that scholarship. And the thing is, is now I'm two and a half hours away from home. And I had all this freedom as a young adult to uh, go to sleep what, whatever time I wanted, eat whatever I wanted, you know, uh, you know go uh, you know, hang out with my friends anytime I wanted, but as a as a student athlete and to be also a good student, with my grades I had to uh, 
I had to pretty much give up some of my freedoms, even though I had a choice as a student, a college student, young adult, to you know, stay up until midnight. I chose, well, obviously, I, I'm a, I, I naturally will not go past midnight anyways, but I, I would go to bed on time. I would do what my coach told me to do. I would do extra things he told me to do. You go to the weight room, do your crunches, uh, make sure you eat healthy. I did these things so I could be the best athlete I could be. Even though I had those choices as a student in college to not, you know, I could eat junk and stuff like that, but I chose not to majority of the time to be healthy and be a good athlete. So Paul kind of mentioned something similar to this, uh, similar to these things about our, our faith. Uh, having, having freedom does not mean does not mean everything is beneficial. That's what Paul said in, uh, in one of his other parts of Scripture. Uh, so, and sometimes we need to have self-control to be the best witnesses for Christ. So to, to grow as an athlete, I had to uh, put down, had to self, have self-control when I go, went to bed, what I did, um, as, you know, extra things as an athlete. Same thing in our walk with Christ, Paul was trying to talk about, is there's going to be some extra things that you're going to probably put time, effort uh, to put into to grow in your faith and be a good example of Christ. Sometimes you're going to have to go above and beyond. And that's what Paul is trying to get at. And so we look at this passage in 1 Corinthians about our given freedoms in Christ. The importance of discipline and self-control as Christ followers. Um, as two different, so we're going to look at what Paul talks about freedom. Uh, the, first, the first verse that I talked about, he was talking about, I have freedom in, in these things. And so uh, before, I, you know, before I get to our point one, uh, Paul mentions we have uh, freedom in Christ, but we, he also mentions um, how discipline and self-control as a Christ follower is also important. And also, uh, there's going to be two different aspects of discipline that we're going to have to apply to our life to be the best witness and best follower for Christ. So that's what I'm going to go through today and look at what Paul is, um, his points about that. So uh, in the context of 1 Corinthians, the letter is about uh, believers in Corinth. So here's, here's these Corinthians, these, these people that are more Greek background. They're, you know, this was more of like the New York of, of the Roman Empire, very uh, genetically diverse, and they had... Asian Minor, which was uh, Turkish people there. There was people that were from, you know, Greek areas, uh, Italy, Rome, Jewish people that were there, uh, Middle Eastern people were there. So there was a lot of different mixes and cultures. And so he was addressing to Corinth, the, the believers in uh, Corinth, the, the Corinthians, uh, addressing the, the church problems, and he also answered many questions they had. So that's the context why he's writing to these people. And so in the same chapter, in verse 9, because uh, I kind of went um, a little later part of that chapter, in, in the beginning of chapter 9, Paul talks about, um, and he, he talks about all these options and opportunities he has as an apostle. And so the big problem in the Corinthians, uh, the, the believers in Corinth, they had, a big, they had a big problem of constantly derailing Paul and telling Paul that he's not an apostle. They had many problems. Paul had many problems to kind of prove himself as an apostle, uh, sadly enough. And so he had to kind of defend himself in these letters 
time and time again. And so he had these, he says, like, I have an opportunity uh, to uh, take, um, like, a pastor, you know, Brother Will. He's financially supported by us. Paul had opportunity to be financially supported from the Corinthians for his teachings and to come to visit them, but he chose not to. Also, he mentioned that he has an opportunity, he has uh, the, you know, he could have a wife. The Apostle Paul, uh, Apostle Peter had a wife, um, but Apostle Paul chose not to. These are things that he could have done, but he chose not to be, for his own instance to be the best witness he could be to the Corinthians. And so let's go ahead, and the point one is here now, but we're going to go look in the context. Uh, Paul talks about freedom in Christ and what that looks like. So in verse 19 it says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So we're going to look at, though I'm free and belong to no one. So Paul asserts that he has freedom to do anything. Since Christ has fulfilled the law, fulfilled the law uh, you know, when, when, they said, when the Pharisees questioned Jesus and they said, are you going to break the? Are you going to break the law? Are you coming here to change it up? No, he's like, I, I came here to fulfill it, and so that's why we, when we have freedom in Christ, what Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to. We technically don't have to follow uh, all these because there's a difference between the moral law, like the Ten Commandments and all those things, and there's other things of, um, you know, the uh, diet law, uh, certain length size of your beard, what you wear, what rights you had to go to, different events that you had to participate in as a, in, in the Jewish law. Paul is, Paul is saying is you no longer are bound by that in a sense. And now, you, now you're free in Christ and you have these freedoms of certain choices in that. And so we look at uh, with, w w you know, kind of, kind of in the sense is, uh, you know, Christ fulfilled this, and also we, as a Christian, it's more of, no longer it's, it's like the Pharisees, they had this checklist. <laughs> they, they, they're like, okay, I went to, I went, I went to the temple, I, you know, I, I did walk a certain amount of steps on, on uh, Sabbath, okay, uh, I washed my hands and the, did this certain ritual, okay, and, and so when, and that's why they clashed so much, the Pharisees clashed so much with Jesus, because Jesus was more about the heart. Where's your heart at with God? And these Pharisees were more checking this list. And Paul was saying uh, what Christianity is, is it's not checking a list. It's having a right relationship with the Lord. But it's not going to just be, okay, I accept Jesus and I do whatever I want. It's more of now you have these choices, but also you're going to have the, the Bible talks about uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Your life is going to reflect that by your actions too, even though you are free in Christ. So, because we're no longer bound to, to these certain things, uh, freedoms that don't particularly harm your faith, like time, hobbies, uh, your comfort zone. Like I, I used comfort zone. Uh, I would I would say maybe like for me, I'm I'm an extrovert introvert. So I'm I'm like this golden retriever. It's like what's up, everyone, and then I just want to kind of withdraw after an hour to my. To my room or something, and it's sometimes people have these comfort zones. Uh, you know, that's a you know some people are like, I'm you know I don't feel like doing this today or something like that's that's a choice. Uh, TV, what we watch, uh, friendships, are all good things um, that we can have choice in, but those things can still get in the way of our faith. The, 
They may not be, they may not be a sinful thing, but those things in a way can get in, their, in our way uh, that we'll look on later that can get in the way of our faith and living for the Lord like we should. So we look in, uh, we have these rights uh, to make those choices. But Paul says in another part of Scripture, he says, we have all these, I have all these freedoms. I, I'm, I have, I'm free to do anything, but is it beneficial? That's what Paul was, was trying to get at is, okay, you have, you have these freedoms, and we're, we're free in Christ, but really, is it really benefiting our faith? It, it's, it's just like, it's just like uh, when I ran a race, I, had, I, always had, uh, I would always see these people, when they would start out in the starting line, they would sprint. They would full-on sprint. They look like they're running a 100-meter dash or something, and we're running a five-mile race, <laughs> and they're, they're sprinting, and then I'm just, I'm just watching them. I'm like, okay, they're, they're going to they're gonna, uh, tire themselves out, and I just pace myself. And so some of those things, you can do it, but it's probably not beneficial for your walk with the Lord. Same thing with that in an instance. So now we're going to look at um, point two uh, with uh, the importance of, um, if you can put the slide up there, uh, point two, the importance of self-control and sacrifice even in freedom. So Paul is saying is, I, I, have all this, I have all this freedom, but he also talks about, and, and sometimes you might, I'll kind of get into it, but it's like, is that a contradiction? Paul's talking about, I have all this freedom, but yet, I uh, have to have self-control and, and also discipline myself. How, how does that go? Uh, co how does that coincide? Well, we'll look into that. So, uh, we'll point to Paul mentions in Romans uh, chapter six, verse seven: "For uh, for the one who has died has been set free from sin." And Galatians five one says, "It is for freedom that he set us free." So, how you know Paul is talking about freedom? And then he starts talking about in uh, verse 19, it says, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So what, what is he getting at when he says, I have all these freedoms, but yet I'm trying to be a slave to other people or set aside these things to reach these people? How does that coincide even though the scripture says, what about this, that you have freedom in Christ? Jesus died for freedom. Uh, well, it means our, that our salvation is not determined by good deeds or legalistic rules, but a free gift of God. Christ also died on her behalf, and he was the substitute for us. And if you don't know Christ, I, I would highly advise that if anyone listening here is, he's the only way. To have true freedom with Christ, true freedom in a sense of freedom is we are shackled by our sins. And sin just means missing the mark. It's an old archery term. When I had archery class, um, I remember, I remember I would, you'd hit the bullseye and sometimes, when, sometimes even when you'd hit the thing, if you completely miss the, the actual circle uh, from the target, they would, they would have a flag in competitions and scream sin. That just means missing the mark. And so because we missed the mark, Jesus died for us so we can have a right relationship with him. And so, and so Christian, Christian freedom, by what Paul is trying to get at, there's Christian freedom. We have choices in our life. But also, there's a thing in the Bible that 
he mentions, and it's a theme, it's called Christian responsibility. That's another term um, that may have not been actually used in the Bible, but it's another thing, that a concept that he used. It's called Christian responsibility, being responsible for your faith uh, to live like you should for Jesus. So in verse 19, we look at, he's saying, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So Paul said we have freedom in choices. And we're not under any authority, uh, under, only under God. But why is, he, why is he saying I have to be a, a slave to other people? Why, why is he saying that? Well, we look at, in, the, in this context, is, is the, here's the main question that you need to think about when I gave you these two points. Is having freedom and dis, dis, uh, um, having freedom and disciplining yourself is that a contradiction? Well, in uh, in scripture, we look that that really doesn't. Uh, if you if you think about it, because you're like, well, we have freedom in Christ. We have freedom in these choices. We're friends. What we do with our time and stuff and stuff like that. How uh, Nathan? How am I? Uh, how is that not a contradiction to also discipline herself and have self-control? Well, this will kind of hit more home with these examples to think about uh, because it's not a contradiction. But let's use real-world examples of how um, having freedom but also having responsibility is required with that freedom. For example, uh, for example, having, uh, let me my notes. My handwriting is horrible, so I sometimes will go past myself. So uh, marriage, uh, friendships, hobbies, and, and even athletic events, right? These things all take time and effort. And you have choices. As, uh, I'll use a marriage example. I'm, I'm not married myself, but I, I use scripture as the example. Um, and people I've seen that are planning on getting married or in relationships and plan on getting married, they, there's times that they sometimes have to sacrifice uh, their time, their effort to make the relationship work. Sometimes you're going to have to, you know, I, I've noticed, you know, couples will set a time for date night to keep that relationship going and kindled. And, and, some, and also they, you know, like the, even just the mundane things. I see my parents, the, the, when, my, when my mom gets off work, my dad does the, does the laundry for her or certain things like that, they sacrifice time and effort to make this relationship work. Same thing with being you know, an athlete, or if you have a hobby, if you make knives, if you're an artist, um, play an instrument. You have to put time and effort to improve in those things, right? You're gonna have to set time, and you may truly enjoy those things, and you're like, man, this is fun, but it takes time and effort to get better and to grow in that. To, to truly have a, a flourishing relationship and, a, and, a, and grow in any part of life, you're going to have to put time and effort into it, right? And so, if we look at, uh, and here's, here's one thing um, that Jesus even talks about with marriage, um, is he's talking about the, 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 the men. He's like, a husband's... Um, have this sacrificial love. He was mentioning like, you know, uh, like Jesus was willing to die on the cross, have this sacrifice. You have to sacrifice kind of your well-being, your time, your effort for the well-being of your wife. That is a perfect example of some, you know, of just 
even though you have freedom, you have to put effort into it to grow. And so here's one point, and it kind of it cut me when I wrote this down. I was like, ooh, okay. It's kind of like a, you know, those, you know, those like Pinterest things that your like mothers post on Facebook. It's kind of like, it's kind of like that quote. I'm like, man, I got a, I got a good quote over here. But uh, so you are never going to grow if you don't put effort to grow. I'm going to say that again. You will never grow if you don't put effort to grow. And how many times, and I'll put this in perspective as, as Christ followers, just imagine you, um, only talk to your uh, significant other one time a week. You only feed yourself one time a week. You, your hobby, your, your things that you do, your artwork, your, even if you want to be good at school, you only study one time a week. That's not going to be enough, right? For anything to flourish <laughs> in any sense, right? The same way with people that it kind of made me... Uh, realize is more than half people, I remember, I, I, I should have wrote it down, but I remember looking at this poll that said um, majority of Christians these days, they don't read their Bible, they don't have much prayer time, they don't really set stuff outside the church, they just go maybe Sunday or Wednesday. How are you going to grow if you only go to church and, and you sit down in this pew and you listen to uh, Brother Kyle and everyone in the worship team worship and you worship God? and you listen to me or Brother Will or Brother Dustin, and, and then you go about your life. Very, how are you going to grow if that's the only time as a Christ follower to truly feed yourself in your faith if you're only, going, only investing one time a week? That's the same way as if you're going to grow with anything, you have to put effort into it. And when I was, when I was young, I had to learn that the hard way. It, you know, I accepted Christ when I was 13, but when I was around 14 or 15, a year or two later, I truly dedicated time to read uh, Scripture and start praying. I had a prayer list. And just those simple things that the Bible tells us to apply in our life, it, my faith grown by like hundredfold. And, I, you know, and it kind of reminds me of when, when I have these uh, vegetables, um, a lot of these, you know, a lot of people that grow stuff, you may have heard this before, but it's a, it's a vegetable called lentils. They're a little like, they're kind of like beans, and I was growing them uh, this year to kind of experiment because I heard they grow really well, and, um, you know, and I, I planted them, and a very next, like, week or two, they're, you know, <laughs> like good, you know, two, or three, four inches, and I'm like, that's growing real fast. Just imagine, that's the perfect example of if you truly feed yourself and you put effort in your faith, you're going to grow a lot compared to someone that just spends one day a week doing that. And that's why, that's why it really convicted me when I thought about that and what Paul talks about. And even in our own life, you're not going to grow if you don't put effort to grow. So the Christian life involves both freedom, like we were talking about in, in point one, it's saying freedom in Christ and how we have freedom. Uh, to have choices in our, in our life, but also it's, it's important, uh, Paul says, in, and in Scripture, to have this balance of freedom and also uh, Christian responsibility. So we are free from sin, 
but we're obligated to discipline and have self-control for us to grow and to be uh, Christian, uh, Christ followers and to be mature Christ followers. We're going to have to put time and effort into that. So, and also we have to take action to grow in our faith. So the goals of Paul's life was, his goal was to live for Christ. He's like, his mantra in all his scriptures is to live to, live to Christ, live for Christ, die, die his gain. That's what his whole goal in his life was, I'm going to share Christ, I'm going to live for the Lord and how he wants me to live. And he was willing to put time and effort and sacrifice uh, for that to be done. For him to be, and he's wrote, God used him so much, he wrote half of the New Testament. And a lot of people, when I read um, uh, a lot of different commentaries, they say Paul is one of the, the most well-known uh, figure in the New Testament besides Jesus because he was, God used him so much. And so we, so we look at, that was his goal, was to, be, to live for Christ. And so thus he stayed free of any... Uh, um, Philosophy, philosophy, any position, any 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 material entanglement, anything he had that it, like that was his choice. He set that aside so he could truly reach people where they are, and and so even though even though he uh, and and we look at how he strictly disciplined himself to carry out his goal, so we look. In point three, we can turn to that. Uh, it, the point three is important reasons for discipline in our faith. And so, as we as we read verses twenty through twenty three, it says, "To the Jews, I have became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like the one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law." So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I have became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to those the, to the weak, I am weak. I became weak to, the, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I have saved some. So I do, the, do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share its blessing. So we, what, what motivates you? Is it money? Is it power? Is it notoriety? Is it, um, notoriety just means acceptance from other people. It's so easy as a Christ follower to kind of get wrapped up in the worldly agenda, the things that people are striving for. If that's, and, and that's the thing is even Christians can get wrapped up in the world because when we have TV, even people we talk to, people we work with, you hear all these worldly agendas that are not of God, right? They strive for these things that are not godly, and they live their life in an example how they see fit. And I remember in Judges, when I read Judges, the whole, uh, the whole thing when they, after they would do something very horrible and judges and live a life not like God, it said they did as they saw fit. And that's what this world is. They're doing as they see fit, not really seeking God in any standard. And that's why you see so many people in this, even though America was founded on godly principles from Scripture and how they based their laws and, and things like that, and it's so sad to see our, our 
country's morality degrade and devolve to do whatever they want. And that's why you see so many different problems today, like abortion or, or all, you know, the LGBTQ, all these different, like all these different, um, and the, and riots and all these different things you see. It's like, how, how is this happening? It's because they're doing as they see fit. And, and it's so easy for us to get sidetracked on the world and not focus on what God wants us to do. And so our motivation should not be money, power, notoriety. It should be ultimately to satisfy Jesus. It should be, I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to seek Jesus. So our whole, instead of following or focusing on the world, we should focus on our Savior and what His wishes are. That should be our focus. And so we also have to be willing to adjust our life to make Him known and, uh, and, and to make him known should be our highest ambition. And so we look at uh, in uh, the first part of point three um, is discipline to reach others. And so um, as I was talking about the importance to share Christ, the importance to make his name known, well, in Matthew uh, chapter 28 talks about uh, the whole chapter is called, whenever people, um, at, you may have heard this term, the Great Commission. Uh, it's time and time again, many people will be like, well, you need to share your faith. Jesus commanded us to share our faith. And, and the whole thing of um, chapter 28 is earlier in chapter 26 and 27 when he went on the cross and died and rose again. He conquered death and he died for us. Um, and now, now he is risen and now we have a living Savior um, and he's died, and now we can truly turn to him, right? And now he, now God in flesh is commanding everyone, not just the, he was commanding obviously the disciples, the ones that recorded it, but he was commanding every single believer in Christ Jesus to make his name known. Go, it says, go out and make disciples and share my, and, and we have to share the truth, and so, in, in a life full of choices, Paul made it clear that he was willing to sacrifice some freedoms in order to reach Christ. So this is one of the, the things that we need to discipline ourselves, is to be an example to reach others. Because that is one of the main mantras of our faith, the main thing that God is pushing us to do. Because um, I remember, I don't know who told me this, but it was kind of a thing to think about, is I remember... Uh, someone said, what if your whole purpose as a Christian is just to go to heaven? Then, in a way, God would be very, um, it'd be very callous of God if our whole purpose in life after we accepted Christ is just go to heaven. If, and uh, that's not the, that was not the main reason. The reason he could have, if we accepted Christ, he, we could have instantly went to heaven, but that's not the case. The reason we're still here, you know, we're, we're still, as Christ follows, we're still here in this body, in this flesh until the, you know, the day we die or until the second coming is to share Christ Jesus, to make his name known. That's why we're here. And that's, and that's the whole purpose. And God, God could, God could uh, go talk to someone that's not saved and say, you need to accept me. He could just, he could do that. But he wanted to use us as, as the messenger. 
and uh, to share his name and, and, and be the mouthpiece. And a lot of us, sadly, put, put uh, sharing Christ as a secondary thing. They, they put him as a back burner. So you may read your Bible, you may go to church, and you may truly uh, seek God like you should, but there's one thing lacking. You, you don't really value sharing Christ like, like you should. And it's so easy to get wrapped up in the mon mundane part of life, your job, being a spouse, uh, you know, your family, and your hobbies and stuff like that. And, and it's so easy to get in the same pattern. And, and you may be reading God's Word, and you may go to church, and you may do these things, but um, are you having, uh, with your coworkers, friends, family, people you meet, are you having um, gospel conversations with them? And the Bible says is, is we need to be a light on that hill. We need to have salt, salted conversations. We need to be the salt of the earth. Are we having these salted conversations throwing in Jesus? And the most powerful thing, I remember my, my, my dad uh, told me, uh, I remember when I was, when I was li little, uh, well, not little, but when I was in my teens and stuff, and when we were going door to door and I was going with him, uh, he said, sometimes uh, the most powerful thing is your testimony. Uh, when we go to all these different people and, and all these people that um, don't really, they don't know Jesus at all, and they've been hurt by people that claim to know Jesus, just sharing our testimony, what God, God's done in our life, can has truly changed people's lives um, over the time we've shared that. And it's truly, uh, and God used that for a reason. That's why he values our testimony. And, and sometimes in the world today, it's so easy to kind of get in debates and say, well, I don't believe this, I don't believe that. Well, they're probably not going to nitpick you when, or, or say like, well, I want to debate you on this when you share your testimony. They can't, they can't say, oh, God did not do that for you. Oh, you're not changed. And if you're truly living for the Lord, they're going to see that change when you're sharing that testimony. And so we look um, in... In uh, verse 19, it says, I have been, have been made a slave to everyone. Paul deeply believed that he who is wise wins souls. Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 30. Was, he was willing to sacrifice anything to win people for Christ. So as far as rights are concerned, uh, Paul says, I belong to no one. And I'm not under any, any men... Uh, so he's saying, I'm not under anyone. No one, no one in this world other than God has a right to tell me what to do as long as I'm living the way I should, right? And so even though he had figuratively, he had figuratively became a slave to those people, willingly. And that's a, that was kind of like when I read this and was studying this to preach this, it kind of boggled my mind in a sense to think about, I was like, so Paul has all this freedom in the world like we talked about earlier, but yet he wants to give that up. And he's a free man. He's not under people, but yet he chooses to be under people uh, to reach them. I don't understand that. And, and so uh, that, that's what Paul was saying. He's like, I'm, I'm willing to give up my rights so I can reach them. And so he, he would not allow his actions... Uh, he, he would not allow his actions uh, to, that are offensive to unbelievers. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying the Scripture, because obviously the Scripture, the Bible says the, um, the people, people of this world is going to find Scripture foolish. 
What I'm talking about is what Paul is saying is not allowing his actions to get in the way from him sharing those people. Because there's many choices we have that can get in the way of sharing two people. Um, so here are some ways uh, he, approached, he approached people. In verse 20, it looks at, uh, To the Jews I have became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I have became like the one under the law. Though I myself is not under the law, uh, so as much uh, under you know, under the law, so as much to win uh, those under the law. So with people of the law, uh, he was willing to uh, approach. For example, he was willing to approach the the Jews like a Jew. Obviously, he was Jewish, but he he would he was you know like when they had these um, Passover and all these different. Um, different things that he obviously didn't have to attend. He chose to. He even said that he went to the temple to do a purif purification rite or something like that. Um, I remember uh, that was right before he was uh, taken away and put on trial to, to Caesar. And so he was doing stuff in the temple. Even the apostles that you look, they were preaching in the temple. They were going to the temple. And that doesn't mean that they now were stuck in this Judaism and just following only Judaism, they were, they were meeting these people where they were, but yet representing Christ and having the teachings of Christ. They, didn't, they weren't like the Pharisees checking this box. Now they had a true relationship with God, but they approached those people where they were. So some people, like in the example of, of the Jews, it's, you know, being in the Bible Belt, we have people that have grown up in church. We have people that were raised... Uh, you know, their parents were Christians, and, and, a, and a lot of people in door-to-door, -door, when we go door-to-door -door, uh, for our church, uh, for evangelism, a lot of people have been raised uh, with Bible stories in the Bible and obviously what Jesus did on the cross. So when we start talking about things, it's a very um, more instant way to talk to them. Because we're like, oh, so you know the Ten Commandments, and, they'll, and some of them will even recite it to us. And, and they'll understand it. So we can go straight to the gospel uh, and, and start sharing Christ. And we don't have to worry about, oh, yeah, they know, they know the creation. They know about God. They know about the truths. So we don't have, really have to worry about, we can go straight to sharing the gospel to them. And with verse 21, uh, how Paul approached people was also, to those not having the law, I have became like the one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. As to win those not having the law. So there's, uh, he was approaching Gentiles. So he, you know, and so when we are, obviously, we get out of our comfort zone. That's the, the thing I need to push to you. Because it's, like so, it's like telling someone how to play soccer and they don't play soccer. You need to get out of your comfort zone and go share Christ to people that you know. But when you do that, there's a different way to approach people. And so with how he approached Gentiles, Gentiles were people that weren't Jews. They were, um, in that context, they were, they were Greek. And they had, um, they worshipped many different idols. Uh, a lot of these had, a lot of these philosophers and stuff. And he even witnessed to um, philosophers at one point. And how he reached them was he didn't just go, hey, in Genesis, God said this, because they're not going to take you seriously, because uh, they, they have in the context of their mind, they, they, 
they don't value scripture. They don't, oh, that's just the Jewish law. And it's not saying that, I'm not saying that scripture, scripture's truth and, and, it is, and it is God's word, it's inherent. But sometimes in people's context, uh, even the world today, if you say uh, back in maybe my, my, when I was little, maybe my, like even younger, when you adults were younger, uh, you could probably, people would probably say, the Bible says this, and they probably would be like, okay, yeah, I'll take your word for it, and they'll listen. If you say the Bible says this, they, you know, the, culturally, they would be like, eh, I don't believe in God or God's word. I don't believe in any of that. Um, and a lot of them will say fairy tales, and they'll say all these different things. Uh, and they're like, ah, I don't believe in that. And so they, they try to push that away in a sense, and it's, and it's interesting to think about is uh, with verse 21, he, these people have no context with, uh, you know, as a Gentile. And Paul went up to these people, and it's called Eropagus, and he went up to these people and he approached that he used their, their poets, he used their writers uh, to kind of get into these biblical concepts to share to them. And so uh, Paul... Um, use not only uh, cultural context to share Christ, but many people in our life um, don't have a correct understanding of God. So sometimes we're going to have to probably approach them uh, with creation and explaining who God truly is. And it's called pre-evangelism. This is a thing I had, this is a concept I had to learn in uh, one of my um, ministry classes uh, is called pre-evangelism. It's things you have to do your homework. You're going to have to approach these people on their level, like Paul even said, I'm going to approach these people that are weak. Um, I'll be weak because I approach these people. Uh, and it's kind of like I'm explaining to people that may not understand this thing. I have to not, you're not watering down the scripture, but you're explaining it in a context that they will understand. And so that's what we need to do is, as Christ followers, you obviously have a choice to just go up to these people and just say, okay, you need Jesus. Uh, this is what the Bible says, and you may not effectively reach them because they have other things that you might have to prerequisitely approach and think about to teach. Um, so in verse 20, you know, verse 22, he's talking about, uh, to the weak, I am weak. And so uh, kind of this example kind of hit home for me when I thought of how about approaching people is, um, I'm going to be corrected. It's called glow now, right? It's called Glow, the kids thing. It was Awana's, but I remember uh, one, I had to fill in for a teacher one time, and I, I taught Awana's, and then I, I teach in the youth occasionally. Brother, Brother Dustin will give me opportunities to teach in the youth, and I'll teach here up on the pulpit. Those are three different things and how you approach, how you approach and how you teach. It doesn't mean that I, I, could preach, I could teach the same thing in all those three different things, but I would say it in a different way. It doesn't mean I took water down scripture or took scripture out of it. It's just I had to approach them in a different way. And we have to approach people in a different way because everyone is different and everyone has different backgrounds. So sometimes we have to do our homework and, uh, and approach them where they are. And so when Paul says, I have become all things to all people, in verse, yeah, in verse 22, says, to the weak I have become weak, to win the weak, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. 
He's not, Paul's not saying, okay, to these people that, uh, uh, for example, the, these people that may have a, a drug problem, he's not saying, okay, you be a druggie to reach this, this druggie person. Or, or you, for example, you have this person that uh, lives a life in sin, you, you uh, get into their sin to, to reach them. That's not what Paul is getting at. He's saying you're approaching them. You, and he's like, I'll be like a Jew to reach the Jews. I'll be like a Gentile to reach the Gentiles. He was approaching them in their thought, in their context, and befriend them. And so, uh, we like kind of with, kind of with, with Jesus, um, I remember Jesus in, in the uh, Gospels, he ate with sinners, didn't he? But he wasn't a sinner. He dined with people that were that were uh, definitely far from far from God. When uh, Matthew came to Christ, he brought all his tax collectors and people that they said were were sinners. And that time, when you're a sinner, you're it's kind of picture the people in our community today, and you're like, listen, kids, don't 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 mess with uh, don't mess with so and so because they're bad, they're trouble. That's what these people were. They, were. they were unwanted untouchables of that time. And Jesus sat down with them and he wanted to reach them. He approached them where they were, but he didn't become like them. And the same way with us is we don't have to become these people or be like, like, like them in their lifestyle to reach them, but we have to think of things to approach them. Um, and so I remember this, this came to mind and it... It's, uh, it kind of baffled me when I, I remembered uh, seeing this, is uh, there, was a, there was a guy at my, you know, my old college that um, he, he, was in the, he was in the ministry department, and so he, he grew up in like urban St. Louis life, right? And so, you know, you think of like the hood, the, the very urban life, and here this guy, uh, would curse like a sailor. This guy that's in the ministry department, uh, having classes, taking Bible classes with me, going to church and, and teaching in some way or some capacity, uh, serving at a church, and he is cursing like a sailor and saying some vile things. And all of us, you know, and after, you know, obviously living on campus, I, I, I eat by him. I, uh, he's near me at the dorms or in classes. So I see him, his daily life, and I'm like, I don't really match up to how, you, how you're supposed to be an example for Christ, and especially as a teacher, you, you shouldn't be doing that. And I, I remember asking him, you know, kind of the side in class, and he brought it up in the whole class in front of the professor, which kind of shocked me. I was like, okay. And he, he basically said that he's a reason I cuss, he said, is because I want to, uh, they're not going to understand me, and they're not going to listen to me if I don't live like them in that way. So I have to talk like them for them to understand me when I teach them. And I'm, and I'm just, in the back of my mind, I'm just like, that's, that's, not, that's not right, <laughs> you know? And, it's, and, and even though that these words are kind of like in English or culturally uh, not, uh, not acceptable, just a mat, he may be talking to them, they may not think anything of it, but if he's like, okay, you need to live for Christ, what are these people going to think of, right? They're going to be like, I, I, you know, 
I, I, uh, sorry, man, I don't really want to, I'm not going to take what you say seriously because you're not really living like you should either, you know, and here he's trying to be like them to reach them, and, that, and that's not how it should be. Um, and so that kind of shocked me as even someone that was pursuing ministry was uh, thinking that mindset. And so we shouldn't go down that path. Paul is saying, is, is it important to be like Paul? Uh, it's, it's important to, like, he, he needs to approach them in their context, but not be like them. So it's important, like Paul, uh, Paul did, being sold out for Christ and giving up freedoms to reach people. We need to be willing to change to not hinder God's message. So here's a thing that uh, kind of convicted me, and this is what uh, John MacArthur wrote in his commentaries. Was, uh, it was a question to think about, uh, or uh, example, he said, if a person is offended by God's word, then that's on them. If you share the gospel to people, right, and they're offended by the gospel, that's between them and God, right? But then, then John MacArthur goes into an example. He's like, um, what if they're not willing to listen to you and the gospel message because of things that may not be necessary, or that are, have nothing to do with the Bible, they're not, mor they're not moral things. They're not uh, the gospel message, and they're turned away. They don't even want to listen to you because of those unnecessary things. So that's on you then. So if, if anything that you do drives those people away from having a, a, a witnessing conversation with them, then that's, that's your problem, not God. And you'll be judged for that if, if your lifestyle... And I'm not saying... And there, there's many things that it may not be... It may not even be sinful. It, it may be even acceptable, but are those things getting in the way of sharing the gospel? And so uh, things we do, how we act, or uh, you know, what we listen to, what we watch, uh, can hinder our witness to others. So uh, for example, you know, my, friends, my, friends will, uh, pro, you know, my friends and family will probably understand when I explain this about myself is I am I'm a Christ follower but also uh, you know after, you know when you talk to me and stuff if I have an opinion about something I'm going to tell you about it um, and so when it comes to like politics or something someone brings up the news or something like that I'm going to give my two cents about it and uh, sometimes my co-workers and stuff like that they they brought up that can of worms they asked me about it and I told them about it but now they don't want to listen to me or and they're kind of like you know because of my opinion they're like okay we're just gonna not talk to him for a bit and I can't witness to this this person or these people because uh, just over a, something that has nothing to do with scripture right same thing uh, with being uh, with me I had a thing I had to learn is I'm a talker sometimes I have to be quiet to listen to these people, these people that want to have conversations, if I just truly listen to them, they, they, uh, they'll be willing to, you know, okay, Nathan's listening to me. Uh, and then they start getting more open. And then I, maybe because I listen to them and listen to maybe their story or uh, what's going on in their life, they're more willing, when I ask them a question, they're more willing to be open about it if I'm willing to be quiet. And that's just a choice. That not, has nothing to do with Scripture. That's just a choice I did that makes me more effective to reach people. And so things, you know, things we say, things we do, how we act can affect our witness for others. So in chapter 8, 
in Corinthians. So it's a little different example, but it, it, it pieces together in uh, chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians, chapter before verse 9, or chapter 9, excuse me. Uh, chapter 8 talks about these people in the context, these people had uh, the Corinthians. A lot of them were former idol, idol worshipers. Uh, there's a lot of idol temples and, um, and all these fake gods that they used to worship. And now these, a lot of these Christians, uh, a lot of these people that had that background, they came to Christ. Uh, now they have a problem because a lot of the meat that's sacrificed in those temples, those pagan temples in, in Corinth, uh, in the, the, the Corinthian, a lot of the young Christians um, that were not mature had a problem because they would sacrifice these animals and then put the meat on the market. And you don't know if this meat or is uh, sacrificed by whatever, you know, for whatever God or, you know, and they just go and they go and they're, and, they, and they're really disturbed by that and they see other people. And Paul says, he's like, those are, those are you know, fake gods. They have nothing to do with that. It's just meat. And he's mature. He just, he, he just goes to the market. He's not going to, you know, worry about it. He's just going to go get his food. But these people um, won't take Paul seriously or won't take these other mature believers seriously because they're worried about the, the pagan sacrificed animals. And now it gets in the, now it's a wedge for them to have fellowship with these people. And a lot of these young believers have nothing to do with these mature people because they're not willing to uh, understand their grief about that. And so Paul was saying, is like, I'm, I'm willing to not even eat meat. Uh, for these people to not stumble and, and to have a good fellowship with these people. It's the same way with unbelievers. We have to get, sometimes we have to give up things that are just choices that uh, uh, we're, we're not giving up Scripture, but we might have to give up choices or time and effort to reach these people. And that's what Paul did. And so, so don't just share the message to your friends and coworkers and fellow students and uh, leave it at that. Like Paul was saying, he was willing to approach these people that make, like Gentiles, he was willing to approach these people that weren't like him to share to them. Um, and so, and so we, you know, you think about is here he's trying to reach these people that don't, that don't know Christ or may not even have a lick of a re, um, relative, you know, relative, you know, being, Relevant. They may. Paul's a Jew from, uh, you know, and he goes to, you know, he goes to uh, Jerusalem a lot, and he's talking to someone that's a Greek culture in Greece. They may not have anything in common, but he's willing to set aside some things to reach them. Uh, so as we look, in, uh, we have to get out of our comfort zone, and sometimes, like what Jesus did, he had to befriend people that are that are not. Uh, like him, right? He sat down with sinners. So sometimes we have to have this unconditional, uh, this love, right? The, the agape love that Jesus showed. We have to show this agape love to reach these people. And sometimes we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone to talk to people and uh, witness to people that we may not hang out with. And the perfect example of that is uh, there's a guy I, I used to work with. Um, he loved uh, WWE, I'm not a I'm not a wrestling guy. You know, my, I remember my dad always told me about Hulk Hogan and all these cool dudes and stuff growing up, um, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. But I never watched it or anything. And and here's this guy 
that like something I don't really am interested in. And he's like, hey, after, um, you know, I had nothing to do on my break, and he, he had nothing either. And he's like, I had this pay-per-view, WrestleMania. Would you like to watch it with me? And, you know, and I, you know, I wanted to witness to him and, and to have good conversations and maybe, and, uh, and me in ordering to do that, I was like, you know what? I didn't have to. I could just go, you know, went somewhere else on my break. But I chose to watch WrestleMania with him, and I went out of my comfort zone and met him where he was and we had very interesting conversations after that because, you know, I was willing to, you know, set time for him. That's what friends, friends do. They, you know, you have to set time. And that's the same thing with these people that you may not be interested in or these people that you may not, on a normal day-to-day -day basis, you may not be buddy buddies with them. But you sacrifice your time to go befriend them and approach them where they are. And so now we look at uh, the second point of point three about the importance of discipline. Hold on, guys, we're almost done. Uh, so discipline for personal growth. Uh, so in verses 20 through, uh, 24 through 27, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way that you, you get the prize. Everyone who, ha who competes in the games goes into a strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So we look... Uh, through 24 27. Uh, and then 24 for 25, he was, you know, what, what does this have to do with races? Why is he talking about racing and, uh, you know, like running and, and boxing and, and all the, like, why is he talking about sporting events? Well, in the context of, uh, in the context of Corinth, the well-known thing that was of that day, because obviously they didn't have TV, they didn't have, Radio. They didn't have a lot of entertainment like we do that we can just get on our phone and go watch YouTube or something. They had sporting events. And so a lot of people um, in Greek culture, sporting events was, was king. It was one of the well-known things uh, for entertainment and for people to, you know, a lot of, a lot of athletes would go. And the most well-known uh, athletic event in Greek culture was the Olympic Games. And uh, even us today kind of sport that name when people go across and, and uh, represent their nations, right, for their sport and they compete. It's the same way with the uh, Greek culture when they had the Olympic Games. And so they had many other sporting events, but the Olympic Games was one of the, the, the most well-known. And uh, when Paul was using this about us and uh, the importance of discipline, what we talked about discipline to share to others, but it's also discipline for our own personal growth in Jesus, uh, Paul was explaining that in these sporting events because Corinth would understand that. Uh, it kind of hit home with them because in the town of, in the city of Corinth, they had a training center there. So kind of like when I went to Colorado, they had a training center um, in Colorado Springs, and, and they're like, oh, look, over there, and there's people riding bikes or training or something for the Olympics. And uh, they, even today, they had, you know, back in that day, they had a training center. 
So people in that city would be very familiar when Paul is talking about um, our faith, like these sporting events. So Paul says, run in such a way to, to get a prize. And he said, run in such a way to win. So in context, winning is not salvation. When Paul was talking about, uh, when, he, when he said, run in, you know, uh, runners run but only, get, only gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. In that context, Paul is not talking about, oh, you need to, like the, like the Jews were, the Pharisees, they're trying to, they're running and checking all these boxes to be saved or be right with God. No, Paul is saying, you're not running a race for that. You're only saved through Christ Jesus, right? Um, but he, when he's talking about running this race, how do we win? What, what is he talking about win this prize? How does that pertain to Christians in our walk? Well, in that context, he was talking about running such a way to get the prize and winning for Christians. It's not with these uh, great difference between this Olympic Games and the walk with Christ and our relationship with Christ is all believers can win. All, let me say that all believers can win. There's, in, uh, the, in the Olympic Games, there's only one winner, right? There's only one person that gets gold. In, the, in our walk with Christ, everyone that knows Christ Jesus can win and, wake up and win a winning walk of life, a mature walk of life with Jesus Christ if they're willing to pay the price. So everyone that walks the narrow road will win. And one day, if we truly live our life like God wants us to, like Paul says, is what he wants to hear is, good, uh, well done, good and faithful servant. Everyone can hear that if you truly live your life for Christ. And that's what winning is, is living your life mature for Christ. So many churches and fellow Christians seem to, this is the one thing that, uh, Paul was talking about is you need to run and, and even in the context is Christians we're supposed to run together right we're supposed to encourage each other but sadly uh, we look today there's so many Baptist churches right uh, there's so many non-denominational there's so many Pentecostal there's so many different churches in just Faulkner County right how many people how many churches are partnering with each other not a lot Sometimes there's some events, they do stuff, but as a whole, when you see all these churches, a lot of them, and this is the thing, when I, I visited other churches, it's kind of like, it kind of seems like they're trying to one-up each other. Not, not really, they don't say that, but sometimes they're like, oh, look at uh, church so-and-so, they got a new roof, well, we got a new steeple. Or look, look at this, look at, they only have a hundred and something, we got two hundred and something, you know, and, and so a lot of these churches will sometimes kind of one-up each other, and that's not what the Bible wants us to do as, as fellow, uh, fellow believers in Christ. We're supposed to run together, and that's the, the, that's the blessing uh, when Brother Dustin uh, was talking about the, uh, the community outreach that we're going to have soon. We're trying to partner with other churches to reach the community. That's what we should be doing, but sadly, we don't see that, um, that too often. And so... So that's what Paul was trying to get at, is this fellow Christian seems to try to one-step each other, but we need to be glorifying Jesus together in the dark world. So Paul mentions, run in such a way to win by setting aside things that can hinder your walk with the Lord and growth. So verse 26 through 27, it says, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. 
and know I strike to blow my body to make it my slave, no matter after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what is he talking about? What is Paul talking about? Strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. Well, in our personal walk with Christ, when he's mentioning that, like athletes, right, they, they sometimes, obviously, when I ran cross country or when I work out, go to the gym, or so, and football players, people, uh, sometimes you, you, you know, you may not, um, may not be all too fun, right? You may, like, find it fun, but there's going to be some hard moments, right? And sometimes, sometimes you're going to have to push your body past your limits. Sometimes you're going to have to push yourself. With anything you do to grow, you're going to sometimes push yourself at you, your comfort zone. And that's, a, that's the same way with us today, you know, with our, with our hobbies. But, uh, you know, when Paul is saying we have to, naturally, we, we're going to be slaves of our flesh. Even though we have died of ourselves, right? When you come to Christ, you're going to die of yourself, your old self, and turn to be like Jesus, Right? And so, in, in that case, like those athletes, we're not like, in, in naturally, in our own human nature, we're, we're still in this flesh. Until we go and have glorified bodies, we're still in this flesh, and we're still going to struggle with sin, right? We're still going to struggle in the flesh, and still, we're going to still be part of uh, those desires sometimes. Sometimes we're going to have these, desire, these fleshly desires, and sometimes as a Christian you have to set aside that and push that and say, no, I'm not going to live that way. And sometimes even these choices we have, like music, what we listen to, how we act, sometimes the shows you watch. Uh, I remember my dad telling me when I was younger, uh, fill, garbage in, garbage out. Right? If you're going to fill your mind with just the worldly agenda of the news, and I'm not saying the, like just the news and stuff like that. I'm talking about if you even listen to music that might have horrible lyrics, even though you may be filling your mind with God's stuff, uh, it's kind of a contradiction of what God wants you to do with your life if, and you're hearing that. And, that, and music is very catchy, right? You could, you know, I hear people, you know, going around and, and reciting the tunes and stuff, it's, it's the same way. It's, and, and, and you have to have a personal reign on yourself. And it's not only that, you have to have a personal reign on your Bible time. Are you reading God's Word like you should? Are you having a quiet time? Are you, and it's so easy to go, you know, even me, I'll go, I'll go, I read my Bible today. Yeah, I read my Bible. And then the rest of my, and then the rest of my day, I don't think about God at all. Or I'm, I get busy and I get sidetracked. And I'm like, why am I not living the way I should? You know, it may not be just, it just be little things. I'm like, man, I, my mindset's not as good as, as it was today, or, or earlier today. It's like, well, I haven't reminded myself. That's the, that's the importance of maybe quiet time or just reflecting. And Paul says ever-ceasing prayer. It's important to have this ever-ceasing reminder of what God has done in our life. And it's so easy to get um, discouraged and unthankful when you're, and I've noticed that when I wake up in the morning and I remind myself I am so thankful for what God's done for me, I don't have bad days anymore. A lot of people are like, how's your day, Nathan? You know, when I was younger, I'm like, oh, my day was horrible, and I start listening to these things. You know, now it's like, my day is great. And even though it may have been chaotic, my day is great because I'm thankful for what God has done for me. And your mindset's going to be completely changed. Sometimes we have to set those things and set those standards. 
So the flesh of the world, everyday affairs, and personal interests can, even laziness, can hinder our spiritual growth. We're almost done, guys. Almost to the finish. So even can uh, hinder our personal growth. So things uh, like, for example, things like we watch, even, we, even our hobbies, even the time we put into, sometimes we're going to have to sacrifice time. If, like I said, if you want to grow, you have to put time to grow. And sometimes we're going to have to set time to, you know, I, I need to have my quiet time. I need to have my Bible study. I need to get out of my comfort zone to go reach these people today. Go talk with my coworkers about Jesus and see maybe talk about my testimony or something like that to these people. Get out of my comfort zone. These are things that you need to take daily to grow. So in verse 27, and then we'll wrap up. Verse 27 says, Now I know I strike the blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, my, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So what is Paul talking about disqualified? Well, he's in that context, he's not talking about you're going to lose your salvation. What he's talking about is you're going to lose your opportunity. If you're not living the way you should and you're not being a good example of Christ, you're not pursuing Christ, you may be disqualified. He's talking about, I don't want to be disqualified uh, for reaching these people, right? If you are not available time-wise, if you're not willing to sacrifice time to go reach people, go do this uh, for the Lord, or have this quiet time, you may not be even mature enough that God can use you. You're disqualifying yourself if you're not willing to sacrifice time to grow and be more like Jesus, right? And that's what Paul is saying, I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to be someone that God's not using because I'm not taking my faith seriously. Are you those people? Are you those people that are not taking their faith seriously? They're going on uh, cruise mode and they're not really growing any and you're not really putting much effort. God's not going to use you if you're not wanting to seek him daily, right? So it is easy for all others, uh, it's easy to tell others how to live, like me. It's easy to tell you, but I'm in the same process. I'm, I'm a sinner just like you, and I have to daily grow and, and, and turn away from things and, and be more like Christ and set time and discipline myself to be more like Jesus. But it's easy to tell others and not really live it out. Sometimes we can be hypocrites, and sometimes we have to check our hearts. Are we truly living for God like we should? Are we truly being a good example? If we're not, we're going to hinder our witness to share to others. So Paul shows in Scripture that we have freedom in Christ, have choices. Uh, point two is the importance of Christian responsibility and discipline. And point three is the two reasons that discipline is so important in our faith. Is discipline to, you have to discipline ourselves and have self-control to share to others and also have discipline and self-control to just grow in our faith. And so today, is Jesus worth it? Is, is Jesus worth it? If he's worth it, like anything in your life that you value, are you willing and what are some choices that you need to do and take to grow in your faith? Let's pray. God, you're so good. Lord, we learned about your truths and what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. About how it is so easy to get in this rut in this world. 
It's so easy to say we have all these choices and all these things. But we really, if we want to truly grow, we have to put effort. And if we truly value our relationship with you and want to be mature in our faith with you, we need to put effort into doing that by setting time, effort, and even willing to sacrifice some choices to reach other people. Lord, all of us in this church, all of us that may be listening online, Lord, is there things that we need to do to truly grow? Is there things that in our life that we need to weed out and pull out to truly be the men and women that God wants us to be? In Jesus' name.